1: Welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we hype your brain with weird and wonderful science. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this long term edition, I explore the open letter asking for a halt to artificial intelligence research and ask who wrote it? But first, here's news from the front line of the AI art wars. Plagiarizing anti-plagiarism. Researchers at the University of Chicago have developed an application called Glaze that promises to stop artworks from being used to train generative artificial intelligence software to draw in an effort to stop people copying an artist's style. It's never been a copyright violation to imitate someone else's style because every artist learns by copying other artists' styles. Copyright law protects finished works of art. It doesn't protect things like facts, ideas, procedures, or your style. You can create an image in the Disney style, and Disney can't do anything. However, if you use a copyrighted Disney character in your art, then Disney will come after you. You can't copy a finished work by an artist and sell it, but you can create something like it without doing anything unethical or illegal. This applies to every art from drawing and painting to writing and music. The creators of Glaze and their many supporters claim that copying another artist's style is theft and that using AI art tools like Stable Diffusion and Midjourney is unethical because they use neural network models that have been trained on the art of living and dead artists without consent from either. They make it very clear that they consider the use of these models to be unethical, bordering on criminal theft, and that any people who use these models for any reason are very bad people. Glaze was released as a binary executable, but the source code got leaked. Glaze uses the exact same stable diffusion models trained on images without consent that Glaze and their artist fans have complained that only thieves use. Glaze uses the model to be able to modify an artist's image in such a way that it poisons any future model that's trained with that image which stops the software from being able to draw at all. The code from the software revealed that the creators of Glaze had also violated several GNU public licences, which means they're stealing copyrighted code. The software was plagiarised from a program called Diffusion B, which has a licence requiring anyone who uses its code to both credit the authors and make the source code openly available. Glaze did neither violating the license. On Reddit, people showed side-by-side comparisons of the code, showing that even the spelling mistakes were copied. If they didn't want to violate Diffusion B's copyright, they could simply make their code open source under a GNU public license and give them credit, but they refused to. If they'd developed a way to remove your art's influence from a model, that would have been cool. If they'd helped people write the robots.txt files, that have been used for over 30 years to tell web scraping software not to copy your art folder, that would have been fair. Instead, they created software that weaponizes people's art to break AI art software so that people can't use it to make new art of any kind. And they did this in a way that violates their own ethics against stealing. Many Glaze fans have defended the hypocrisy by saying that thieves deserve to be stolen from. But of course, the original point was that the living artists whose art was used to train the model didn't consent. So that model shouldn't ever be used by anyone for anything. They're stealing from artists by their own definition, as well as from the programmers. There's the small matter that the software degrades your images when it protects them from being seen by a neural network. So they don't look as good as when you created them. Tests have shown that you can fine-tune a stable diffusion model on art that's been processed with glaze and still recreate the style. Experiments have shown that if you resize the images, the glaze watermark disappears. On Reddit, 07MK said, If you've built up a whole narrative in your head about how your art style is so special and great, that it's a moral affront if tech bros are using AI to rip you off, then it can be a blow to your ego to learn that nobody cares enough about your style to do the easy work to train off of it. But if you use glaze on your art, you can convince yourself that actually your art is that special and great, and those tech bros are champing at the bit to imitate it. But your clever use of their own tech against them is keeping them from doing so. That would be a massive ego boost. The court's already settled. That when Google was scraping books without consent and then serving up chapters to entice people to buy them from Google, that machine learning training is a transformative act under copyright law. By using websites like Trained.com, artists can remove their consent, and their artworks will be removed from the training data for the next version of the models used by Stable Diffusion. While consent is best when obtained before you do a thing, it isn't always possible. In Australia, libraries don't need consent from writers before buying their books and making them freely available. However, we have the Australian Lending Rights schemes—public lending right and electronic lending right—to compensate authors for text, e-books, and audiobooks loaned out by libraries. Artists wanting consent before being scraped into a dataset for training have a strong argument especially for models that are sold or subscribed to, like Adobe's Firefly Art Creator software. Artists wanting to protect their style are overreaching. Nobody has ever been entitled to that, and it would stop new artists from learning to create. Artists wanting to take away the right of other people to create art with whatever means they choose are just thieves.
2: You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Human beings
0: have long dreamed of building machines in our own image. Mechanical beings that could see, hear, speak and even behave as we do. Today, science and technology are making those dreams come true. The ideal robot would have enough computer brain power to think for itself, to be virtually independent of human programmers. It would take information from the world around it, analyze this data, and respond. Scientists are exploring ways to make robots think for themselves. Their field is known as artificial intelligence and its study occupies some of the top research laboratories in the world. But progress is understandably slow, and business and industry are not waiting for fully intelligent robots. Robots are already at work, in research labs, in factories, even in hospitals. Most of the jobs now performed by robots were formally done by people. Since the average robot can potentially do the work of two people, Many fear that these intelligent machines will eventually force thousands of people out of their jobs. Industry analysts acknowledge that robots will eliminate or greatly change some types of human work. The key to coping with this potential economic and social problem is education. Robots will never eliminate the need for people. Like all machines, they require people to design them, build them, sell them, and maintain them. But many of those who might lose their jobs don't have the skills or education needed for these new positions. If people are to be ready for the jobs the robotics revolution will create, they must begin learning about this new technology when they are very young. Teachers like Maggie Moore of Oregon are helping their students get a head start on the robotic revolution. Now you need to think about this one more time, poor guy. No. Why didn't he do it right the first time? He didn't Topo did it wrong? No, he didn't. We did it wrong. We programmed because him wrong. Because you programmed him wrong. So you might have to fix this. These youngsters will grow up in a world where robots are commonplace. We'll meet them in school, at home, and in the workplace. How they use and relate to these revolutionary
1: machines will be limited only by their own human ingenuity. Pause AI? Says who? The Future of Life Institute hosted an open letter demanding a six-month pause on developing artificial intelligence systems more powerful than GPT-4, singling out OpenAI. This letter displayed signatures from many famous artificial intelligence experts and famous entrepreneurs like Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple. Many of those signatures were fake. Some signatures were from people running companies in competition with OpenAI. Researchers quoted in the letter condemned its use of their work. The letter failed to lay out how this pause could be implemented. It read, We call on all AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4. This pause should be public and verifiable, and include all key actors. If such a pause cannot be enacted quickly, governments should step in and institute a moratorium. So, should artificial intelligence companies like OpenAI fire their language model researchers for six months, and then rehire them? How would they eat? Or, should they give them a six-month paid holiday? Who's going to pay for that? If the world is genuinely at risk from artificial intelligence software waking up soon to eat everyone, then isn't a lot more required to save humanity than just a six-month pause? How does six months save the world? It really seems that the only outcome would be companies who heed the letter will fall behind the companies who ignore the letter. The open letter also asks society to consider if we really want artificial intelligence software to replace all jobs, even the ones people enjoy. I can't see how a six-month pause on developing large language models achieves this goal. Surely a public outreach program to illustrate or debate the issues would be better. Surely replacing dangerous and risky jobs is a really good thing. Isn't making people more productive what employers and economists have been demanding for decades? Governments and reserve banks around the world are deliberately raising interest rates in order to force people out of work. The monetary theory is that wages have risen rapidly and the higher wages have caused prices to rise, so the only way to beat down inflation is to force a large number of people out of work and keep them unemployed. This unemployed reserve will serve to lower wages through competition for jobs and keep them low, which will magically, in ways that no economist can explain, translate into lower prices, thus lowering inflation. Welfare can't be enough to stay alive, or people might not be forced to work at terrible jobs with risk of injury and death. This is a human sacrifice cult. Objectively, the statistics show that workers are more productive than they've ever been in the history of the world and that productivity is only increasing. But wages have stayed flat while profits are at record highs. Those profits come from increased productivity and profiteering. If you have more people than jobs as a deliberate government policy to control inflation, then you should reward these unemployed people for their service by giving them at least enough to stay alive. The real cause of inflation today is rampant price gouging and COVID, but governments have no appetite to deal with either. The real social problem isn't machines enabling greater productivity, putting people out of work, but that people out of work are made to suffer poverty instead of sharing in the profits of the increased productivity. We need a guaranteed income. The open letter claimed signatures from OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, Chinese President Xi Jinping, and Chief AI Scientist at Meta Yan Li Kun. All of them were fake. The Future of Life Institute claims they now check the signatures by contacting the signers. But I find it hard to trust an organisation that published an open letter and got itself so much press without taking this basic step. Another problem with the open letter approach is that the Future of Life Institute didn't bother to engage with OpenAI, who created GPT-4, about their concerns for the next version of the large language model chatbot. After the letter was published, OpenAI revealed to journalists that they already did not have any plans to develop GPT-5 for much longer than six months because they're still working on commercializing GPT-4. Elon Musk has started his own chatbot AI company soon after signing the letter. Ahmed Mostark from Stability AI has released his company's large language model chatbot, Stability LM, soon after signing the letter. Several other signatories have walked back their commitment since the letter was published, saying they agree with the spirit, even if they disagree with what was actually said. Who are the Future of Life Institute? The think tank's stated goal is to reduce global catastrophic and existential risks facing humanity, particularly existential risk from advanced artificial intelligence. It was founded by people like cosmologist Max Tegmark, who's famous for books on the ideas that we're living in a simulation and that artificial intelligence will soon wake up and eat us all. The Future of Life Institute receives some of its funding from their advisor, Elon Musk, who's on record as saying that he believes that he is the reason our universe is being simulated. We're all living in the Elon Musk show. Basically, the Future of Life Institute are proponents of long-termism. An end times cult that's been criticised as anti-democratic because it holds that making huge amounts of money is the highest human virtue because it puts you in a place to fund initiatives to stave off the end of humanity's far future potential. The long-termists believe that humanity has a potential for a glorious future lasting until the heat death of the universe trillions of years from now and that missing out on this potential is the worst thing that could ever happen, so it must be prevented at all costs. You and I are part of the all costs. They don't want to deal with the climate emergency or the COVID pandemic, but with artificial intelligence software waking up to eat us. They're worried about stopping problems humanity may or may not have millions of years from now, rather than the ones immediately in front of us. They hold that even if climate change causes island nations to disappear, triggers mass migrations and kills millions and millions of people, it probably isn't going to compromise our long-term potential over the coming trillions of years. In this cosmic view, even a climate catastrophe that cuts the human population by 75% for the next 2,000 years will, in the grand scheme of things, be nothing more than a small blip the equivalent of a 90-year-old man having stubbed his toe when he was two. The Future of Life Institute are similar to the Future of Humanity Institute, the Global Priorities Institute, the Forethought Foundation, and the Machine Intelligence Research Institute, which all get huge donations regularly from otherwise conservative wealthy people scared that superintelligent machines will take over the world. The Washington, D.C.-based Center for Security and Emerging Technologies aims to place these long-termists within high-level U.S. government positions to shape national policy. This is reminiscent of the Seven Mountains Christian cult that former Prime Minister Scott Morrison and former Vice President Mike Pence still belong to, with its decade-long aims of anti-democratically taking over government and society for its own religious ends. The Center for Security and Emerging Technologies was established by Jason Metheny, a former research assistant at the Future of Humanity Institute, who's now the deputy assistant to US President Joe Biden for technology and national security. Philosopher Toby Ord from the Future of Humanity Institute advised the World Health Organization, the World Bank, the World Economic Forum, the US National Intelligence Council, the UK Prime Minister's Office, UK Cabinet Office and Government Office for Science and he recently contributed to a report from the Secretary-General of the United Nations that specifically mentions long-termism. Toby Ord says that the chance of climate change causing an existential catastrophe is only about one in a thousand compared to the one in ten probability of superintelligent machines destroying humanity this century according to his beliefs. This is a very dangerous position to be pushing to a world reluctant to reduce its dependence on fossil fuel and that has failed to take any steps to avert the climate emergency and is undoing all the steps it took to stop the spread of the pandemic. Long-termist Nick Bostrom said, a non-existential disaster causing the breakdown of global civilization is, from the perspective of humanity as a whole, a potentially recoverable setback. It might be a giant massacre for man, but so long as humanity bounces back to fulfil its potential, it will ultimately register as little more than a small misstep for mankind. This makes long termists dangerous, because as far future utilitarians, they just don't care about the suffering or well being of anyone now living, or even the next few generations. People are just a means to their far future end of creating trillions of digital people to fill the universe. The immediate issue with artificial intelligence is that all the tech companies from Twitter to OpenAI, Google, Microsoft and Meta have fired their ethics staff. Artificial intelligence is causing active harms now that should be addressed way before any fear of developing a self-aware machine. There are racist and sexist biases going into artificial intelligence software used by police, the court system, refugee assessment, and other government departments. There are systems right now that desperately need to be updated because of the existence of simple AI tools that have been around for years. For example, in Australia, our Centrelink social security service has used voice recognition for security over the phone. There are AI tools that will clone anyone's voice from a sample recording, making it pretty simple to bypass this 1990s security technique. There are major problems installing chatbots that don't always tell the truth into every aspect of our lives. There are major problems with lawmakers and bureaucrats making policies and regulation of a technology they don't understand. There are major inequalities in our society that could become worse if many people lose their jobs. Privacy hasn't been respected in how data for training is collected, nor in how artificial intelligence systems are being used. There have been data breaches from OpenAI that led to ChatGPT being banned in Italy. Armed artificial intelligence robots shouldn't make decisions about who to assault or kill on the battlefield or in policing. Artificial intelligence is already used for mass surveillance by states like China. Professor Joanna Bryson at Hertie School in Berlin, who works on AI and ethics, called the letter more BS libertarianism, tweeting that we don't need AI to be arbitrarily slowed, we need AI products to be safe. That involves following and documenting good practice, which requires regulation and audits. Professor Emily Bender at the University of Washington and co-author on dangers of stochastic parrots, can language models be too big? Tweeted, the risks and harms have never been about too powerful AI. Instead, they're about concentration of power in the hands of people, about reproducing systems of oppression, about damage to the information ecosystem, and about damage to the natural ecosystem through profligate use of energy resources. The researchers quoted in the open letter have written their own open letter response. They say, The harms from so called AI are real and present and follow from the acts of people and corporations deploying automated systems. Regulatory efforts should focus on transparency, accountability, and preventing exploitative labour practices. They conclude their letter It is indeed time to act the focus of our concern should not be imaginary powerful digital minds. Instead, we should focus on the very real and very present exploitative practices of the companies claiming to build them, who are rapidly centralising power and increasing social inequalities. Artificial intelligence doesn't have to be anywhere near self-aware to be a problem, and the uses of new technology will always need regulation and ethical guidelines. However, We should keep a close eye on these extremely well-funded sinister think tanks like the Future of Life Institute and their millionaire and billionaire supporters. I think our society is in far more danger from them stopping us solving the climate emergency, increasing inequality, and stopping us from doing anything about the current and future pandemics than from any super-intelligent machine uprising.
2: And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash C slash Diffusion Radio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolfe. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8CCC in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3MBR in the Mallee border districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in North East Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on Astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website www.diffusionradio.com That's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf or Join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.
0: Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things you learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils you find out what makes things tick everything from a molecule to a living organism in the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man knowledge of his physical world its past its present and its future and in your moments of relaxation now and in the years to come you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits